0: If not, I invite you to turn with me to the 10th chapter of the book of Luke. Luke chapter 10. I want to say again, Happy Mother's Day to all the moms here this morning. There are some things about moms, maybe even a lot of things about moms that we have a tendency to take for granted. We don't properly uh, appreciate them. Their devotion to their homes and to their children, to their husbands. I've seen firsthand that being a mom is a whole lot of work. I didn't appreciate that when I was a kid. (laughs) My mom will probably attest that I probably made her life a little bit more work than I should have. (laughs) But I've seen it with my wife and with our three children that there's a labor to it. It's a labor that is one that is made out of love, done where the payments are in hugs and thank yous and kisses and I love yous, not in payment of, of some actual worldly treasure. And while sometimes that leads to a lack of recognition, I would contend that that is far better recognition than any worldly treasure that ever could be bestowed upon a mother. What did the proverb writer say about that? That her children rise up and call her blessed. That her husband also he praises her. That proverb woman worked. She worked hard. She had a labor of love in providing for her children and for her household, even for her community. We're not told of the wages that she earned, but we are told of the blessings from her children and the praises of her husband. And so it's altogether fitting that we set aside a day like this. It is good for us to have a day like this that is meant to honor mothers. It's good. I'm grateful that we get to do that. So let us never fail to appreciate that, the work that mothers do. But I want to encourage also mothers today that in so much doing, the greatest thing, and hear me well here, if there's only one thing you take from this today, it is this, that the greatest thing that a mother can ever do is to demonstrate by her example faithfulness to the Lord. I want to say that just one more time. Make sure you take it away today. The greatest thing a mother can ever do for her children is to demonstrate by her example her faithfulness to the Lord. And I use those words purposely and carefully this morning. You should teach your children about the Lord. You should teach your children biblical things that Scripture tells us to do. But you should show and demonstrate those things by your example in your life. I've heard it said before, and I believe it to be true, that more is caught than taught. What's that mean? Your children learn more from you by watching you than they do by you sitting them down and teaching them something. So, show forth an example to your children of faithfulness. We're going to read here today a passage of scripture here in Luke chapter 10, towards the end of this chapter, where we're going to see a difference of, of works and a difference of a still heart that is meditating on the things of the Lord. Read with me, Luke chapter 10, beginning at verse 38. Luke 10 and 38. It says, Now it came to pass as they went, that he, Jesus, entered into a certain village. And a certain woman named Martha received, she welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered. She was distracted about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her tell her that she help me, that she'll come and help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her and we'll stop our reading there, verses 38 through 42 of Luke chapter 10. Here we have this well-known passage concerning Mary and Martha. We know Mary and Martha they are two rather well-known figures in Scripture, even though Martha in particular is not mentioned too often. We only find record of Martha here in Luke chapter 10 and later on in John chapter 11 in the very early part of John chapter 12. But we understand some things about them because there's a lot about the relationship that they have with one another, the relationship that they have with their brother Lazarus, and the relationship that they have with Jesus as faithful believers that's recorded here in the Scriptures. We know how it was that Jesus, it tells us in John chapter 11, that Jesus loved Mary and Martha. He loved them. He counted them as faithful unto Himself, faithful disciples. That have been made to believe. We read in John chapter 11. Both Martha and Mary give testimony that they believe in the resurrection. That they believe in who Jesus is. They call him Lord. But we see a difference in the personalities of Mary and Martha. They had a different idea. They had some commonalities in that they are sisters. But we see that Martha was very passionate. She was a passionate person as, as made known and revealed in these accounts that we read here in the Scriptures. We see in John chapter 11 that it was Martha who came to meet Jesus as He was coming unto Bethany. You know that passage well about how Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead and how he had tarried before he came. He waited for two days after receiving word that Lazarus had died before he came unto Bethany. And so when Jesus was coming, Martha went out to meet him and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Martha was passionate. She didn't wait for Jesus to get there. She went out to see and to tell him for herself. That if Jesus hadn't waited around, her brother hadn't done. We see that here in this passage of scripture, Martha's passion in her service. We see, as I've already noted, that she was a believer. She believed in the resurrection. She believed that Jesus was Lord, and it's revealed by her desire to serve Him. But we see also that Martha's heart was busy. She just had a lot of concerns. She had a lot that she was worried about in her home. She set her mind on these things that she needed to do. She was busy. We see, meanwhile, that Mary was quiet. She was quiet. She was not one who was one to say much, but she was quiet and she listened. She was quiet and she listened. We see Mary, that, was, that she likewise was a believer. But we see that her heart, rather than being busy, was still. She had a still heart. She wasn't inactive in her service. I don't want you to get the wrong idea about Mary, that she just sat around and listened the whole time. We read in the early part of John chapter 12 about how it was Mary who took that expensive ointment and anointed the feet of Jesus and washed His feet with her hair. She wasn't inactive in her service unto the Lord, but her heart was still and and her spirit was quiet in how she served. She served in humility. Well, Martha tried to serve with a passion. Now, I want you to know that sometimes we see ourselves in these characters and we have a tendency to try to make for ourselves that one is better than the other. That somehow Martha was well, was for the worse because she was so busy and that Mar- or Mary was for the better because she had this quiet heart and how she was at the feet of Jesus. After all, it wasn't Mary that was rebuked by the Lord here in the passage that we read, but it was Martha who was rebuked. But I want you to know that if you examine yourself against Mary and Martha, what's likely to happen is you're going to see a little bit of yourselves in both of them maybe I should say that better, you're going to see a little bit of both of them in yourself. We have this tendency to be busy, don't we? A tendency to a lot of action, a lot of activity that we concern ourselves with. But we also, having been saved by the Lord's grace, have this deep desire to know more about Him. To hear His voice, to learn of Him, and to study after Him. We find ourselves oftentimes to go through seasons in life where maybe we're a little bit more passionate and then go through other seasons in life where maybe we're made to be a little bit more reserved. The point being is that we see here as an example in both Mary and Martha, these types of personalities that inevitably are part of our home. you see that? I won't ask by show of hands how many of you are Mary's and how many of you are Martha's. But I want you to know that even the men here today, we have this same tendency, don't we? To busyness, to stillness, from passion to being more reserved and quiet. So what can we learn then? What can we understand about how each of them desired to serve the Lord? Now, I want to make known, I already said it once, but I want to make very clear that Jesus loved both Martha and Mary. And while sometimes we hear this bad wrath that Martha gets, Jesus loved her. And his rebuke of her was to try to teach her and to show her as a loving Lord over his disciple. And so when we think about these things, I want you to know that whatever it is that's going on in your life right now, that Jesus loves you too. And so as we think about these things, especially mothers today, as we consider these things, I want to encourage you that while sometimes we find ourselves when we think about the failures that we have, or we think about the inadequacies that may dwell in our hearts or our own senses about us, that we fail to recognize that Jesus loves us. All of our inadequacies, all of our failures, Jesus loves us. Jesus loves you, all of your faults included. Aren't you glad of that reality? I am. Children, your parents love you. All of their faults and failures included, they love you. They love you, all of your faults and failures included. thing I've shared before, something an old Sunday school teacher of mine once told me, once taught me, he said that the main things are the plain things, and the plain things are the main things. When he taught that, he was teaching about how to study Scripture. Sometimes we get lost or caught up in the Scriptures that are a little bit less obvious to us. We're trying to make sense of them. But in reality, the main doctrines that we need to know from the Scriptures are very plain. So the main things are the plain things, and the plain things are the main things. So it is when we think about our service to the Lord. The main things that we should focus our hearts on and how we live for the Lord are the plain things. And the plain things that we should focus on are the main things. That's what, in essence, Jesus was trying to share with Martha. He was saying, you have lost sight of the main thing. You have busied yourself, you are cumbered, you are distracted by all of your doing, and you have lost sight of the main thing. We have a tendency to do this. All of us do. Where we lose sight of the main thing. I hope it's obvious to you what that main thing is. That main thing is our service to the Lord. Our main, that main thing is our Faithfulness to the Lord is a deep understanding of who Jesus is and how we might be a reflection of Him in our lives. Our pursuit in this life is a pursuit after godliness. Our goal is heaven. My aim is heaven. I have set my eyes upon heaven. And anything that takes my eyes away from that end, it is a distraction to me. That is the main thing. The main thing is how is it that I might effectively make it to my home that awaits me in heaven in a way that I might glorify God on my way there. Anybody with me on that journey? So as we think about that main thing, these things of life that are led to ensnare us or to cumber us. We see the scripture the King James language used. They are distractions that pull us away from that main thing. Now, when Jesus came into Martha's home, I can almost imagine him entering into her home. She was taking in him and, and his disciples and she was going to care for them, provide for them their food, or welcoming them into her home as a, as a good household would do, as a good welcomer would do into her home. And again, you just picture Jesus thanking her. I I I really appreciate what you're doing for us. Thank you for taking us in. You don't have to do all that. We're we're just fine. You've probably done that before. You've been a guest in somebody's house. And you say, oh, you don't have to worry about that. No, you don't have to cook me anything. No, you don't have to worry about all of those things. Anybody ever been a guest in anybody's house? (laughs) Let me just say this. If you're ever a guest in a home... And they ask you if you want something to eat, say yes. They'll bless you for it. They're blessed, the people that welcome you into their home by feeding you. I've ate a bunch of beans and cornbread down at the Allen's house when I wasn't hungry. (laughs) But it was a blessing to them, and it was a blessing to me too. There was an older generation who understood that, and that's being lost on a younger generation. And so I just want to share that with you. That's that's just, you get that as a. So I heard a preacher say before, you get that for free. But I can almost picture Jesus walking into Martha's home and, and just a, a, a gratitude in his heart for her welcoming him and his disciples into her home there in Bethany. And so, her doing this, she used to be commended. She was to be commended for the love and the respect that she was showing. To the Lord. So, what Jesus, when He took her aside, when, when we see Jesus rebuke, it was not that Martha had done wrong in, in welcoming them into her home or that Martha had done wrong in trying to fulfill her duty in, in her household of providing for them. The problem wasn't the duty. The problem wasn't the responsibility. The problem was that she was cumbered by it. Now, if you're like me, you hear the word cumbered, and what do you think of? A cucumber what my simple mind thinks of but it's to be distracted the responsibilities the regular duties of Martha in her home had distracted her away from the reality that the Lord Jesus was in her home in teaching isn't that incredible the son of God had made up residence in her home and was speaking to her and the disciples and she was distracted by all of her doing. When we find our attention being pulled away, when we find our minds and our attitudes being pulled away by even those responsibilities and duties that are right for us, we should find our way back to the Lord. We should say, I can put this down for a minute. These dishes can wait. These floors can wait. I must, with a earnest and a needed heart, go to the Lord and find rest for my spirit before I can take up these dishes or clean these floors. I forget who it was that said it, that was remarking about the importance of prayer. And he said, I have so much to do today that it will be impossible for me to do any of it if I do not spend the first three hours of the day in prayer. You see, our source of strength, our source of of ability to do anything is found by the blessing of God. And so when we find ourselves encumbered by all of these responsibilities and duties of life that call our attention to them, and we find them to be a distraction away from our, our right spirit of the Lord, let us go back to Him in prayer and find that to be the first and the main thing. The problem with all of this busyness, the problem with all this that would distract us from the main thing is that while they might be right duties and right responsibilities that distract us, when left to distract us from godliness, they lead us to worldliness. I was down at New Life Revival a couple of weeks ago and I was talking to Brother Josh Coomer out in the parking lot and he reminded me of something. I hadn't heard it in a while, but he reminded me of that saying that if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. You ever heard anybody say that? It's true. The devil can't make you bad. He'll just make you so busy that you can't do anything good. And if there is anything that has become a hallmark of God's people, what is that. God's people have become so busy and so cumbered by the affairs of life that they bring them into the church in a way that they can no longer find rest even when it is that they gather with God's people. And you say, well, Derek, how do you know that? It is written all over your faces. We get so burdened and busy and brought down and cumbered by care. Cares of the world, cares of life that we're no longer able to find the rest that we would desire for our souls. Can't you see Martha in this passage? I I can see it perfectly because it describes me so often. I can just see her busy and she's slaving away, working on whatever she's working on. She's washing dishes, she's sweeping floors, she's cooking a meal, whatever it is she's doing. And the whole time, I can just picture her muttering underneath her breath. I can't believe I'm in here doing all this work while my sister's in there just listening to them. Can you see that? Anybody ever mumble underneath your breath before, besides me? You saw how good I was at it. We do that. We get hearts that because we're so busy, we end up bitter. Our hearts become so filled with the duties and responsibilities of the day that we become bitter by what someone else is doing or not doing. And finally, I can just picture Martha reaching that point where she says, I just had it. And she, maybe there's a moment of laughter or something. She just throws down whatever she's working on and she goes to Jesus. Now, I want you to know there's something for us to learn about the appeal she makes to Jesus. We should be careful about the types of appeals that we make to Jesus. She goes to Jesus and she assumes something. She assumes that Jesus is going to agree with her. Listen to how she says it. And she says, Lord, do you not care? She's assuming that that He must. Do you not care that my sisters left me to do all this stuff alone? And if you do, if you do care, then tell her to come and help me. She was assuming that she was right. (laughs) We get that way when we're busy, don't we? (laughs) We start throwing ourselves a little bit of a pity party, so to speak, about how hard we're working. And we've convinced ourselves that whoever's not working as hard as we are that they're in the wrong. And so we have convinced ourselves of that so when we go to somebody to tell them about it, we believe ourselves to be right and that they're going to agree with us. Even when it is that we go to the Lord. (laughs) It's times like this that I'm real thankful that the Lord is long-suffering and merciful. Jesus could have looked at her and scolded her and said, Martha, stop your belly aching. But he said, Martha, Martha. The fact that he used her name twice tells us how much he cared for her. He said, Martha, 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 you have found yourself to be careful and troubled about so much. Jesus was empathizing with her, sympathizing with, with how busy she was and how much her heart was troubled by these things. Martha had a heart that, that was worried about these things. She wanted to make sure all was right and in place, that those who she had welcomed into her home could find it to be a pleasant place. The intent of her heart wasn't that there was so much trouble in what she was wanting to do. The problem was that she had misplaced what was the main thing. Jesus said, but one thing is needful. Now there's a couple of different ways you could understand this. He could have been talking about just one thing that, that needs to be done. Just, just providing one meal for us is enough. You don't need to worry about all that. We don't know what the one thing was specifically. So that could have been it. Or more likely, it could have been that there's just one thing that you should be heedful of. while I am here in your home. And it's not these dishes and it's not this floor. (laughs) But it is the words of life that I speak. He said, but one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Now, my wife will tell you, I don't do a whole lot of dishes. And I don't do a whole lot of sweeping of the floors either. (laughs) But what I have found out about doing dishes and about sweeping the floor is this, is that once you have finished them, you're going to need to do them again. Dishes have a way of just getting dirty again. And the floors have a way of just getting dirty again too. You see, all of that work and all that effort that we put into those duties and responsibilities are taken away. We find that they are ever needful in front of us. We're ever striving after those worldly pursuits. But Jesus said what Mary has desired, she has desired the good part. The part that cannot be taken from her. This part that is going to be instilled in her and instilled in her heart, that can't be taken away. The point being is that there are things in this life that are responsibilities and our duties that we must find ourselves given over to from time to time, but those things should never be that which distracts us from the main thing. I have rarely been into a home in which the woman of the home has not said, I am sorry for the mess. Some of you have said that and I've walked into your house and I thought, I can just eat off of your floor. What mess are you talking about? Your house isn't a mess at all. But it's the nature of that homemaker to desire that her home be welcoming and found to be in good order when you enter into it. And I want you to know it is of a good heart that that is the case. But I want you to know even more. The main thing is not how clean your house is when you welcome a stranger into it. The main thing is how welcoming your heart is when you welcome a stranger into your home. Not to be concerned about all the things of whether or not you got things done before somebody came over, but instead, when that person enters into your home, they will find joy and they will find gladness there that it is a place where God's Spirit is and where angels often visit. Young mothers... I know there is so much that is on your plates and you're fighting and you're wrestling about how to go through raising children and society's thoughts of you and and impressions of you and, and are you doing things right or are you doing things wrong? How does your house look? What does your husband think? All of these different thoughts that run through your minds. Let me tell you this, the main thing is how is your relationship with the Lord? Because if that is right, all other other things will flow out of it I was studying this week reading and something struck me about the nature of unity When we think about unity we normally try to apply it in a broad sense before we work our way up into a narrow sense Meaning that we would talk about first the unity of the church and then the unity of the home and then the unity of a marriage before we'd ever get to the unity of a person. But I want you to know we'd be better to start there with the unity of an individual... Is your heart united with the Lord? Is your heart divided and going every which way in terms of worldliness and life? Or instead, is your heart single-minded in its purpose upon the Lord? Let us not be forgetful of what James warned us, that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. We are called to be single-minded, that our hearts would have a single purpose upon the Lord. It is when that as individuals, we Find ourselves to be entangled up and, and find this double thoughts in our lives and a heart that has dual purposes, that we begin to find our own individual hearts and our own individual minds to not be in unity. And when that happens, if you're not united in your own heart with your own thoughts and your own mindfulness towards the Lord, I ask you, how are you going to be united with your husband or with your wife? And if you're not united in yourself with your husband and with your wife, how will, be you, how will you be united in your home? And if you're not unity in your home, How are you going to find unity in the church? The point being is that when you find yourself to be double-minded and so concerned with these distractions of life and these things that cumber you and you're so busy, what inevitably happens is you find all these things to poke at and to point at that are wrongs in life or wrongs in places that you belong. And you begin to find yourself to be hypersensitive to different issues. And in reality, what's taking place is you have found yourself have a heart issue. That leads to a disunity issue in all of your relationships. Timothy talked a little bit about this. I love the word that he used. He talked about somebody going to make war. And he talked about that somebody that would go to make war would not find themselves be entangled with the affairs of life. And I love that word, entangled. What he was talking about is that... It, you have people out on the on the battlefield. You don't want them worried about things that are going on back at home, do you? They need to be worried about whether or not they're going to win that battle. That's the nature of making war, isn't it? That's why when somebody goes to join the army, they go off to a boot camp where they're separated from home for, for weeks at a time. and They're being trained to be a soldier and being disentangled from all of those things that are at home. That is to be our hearts in terms of our relationship with the world. We are to be disentangled from the world. The more we get tangled up in the world, the more trouble we're going to have in every aspect of our lives. I want to tell you a thing or two about tangles. You don't truly understand tangles until you try to brush a little girl's hair after a bath. And then suddenly you understand everything there is to know about a tangle. Which is to say that I know nothing. (laughs) The problem is that it's a lot easier to create a tangle than it is to get rid of one. When you find yourself tangled up with things of life that distract you, with those worries of life that would ensnare you and pull you away, those things that would encumber you, you find yourself tangled up in them a lot easier than it is to get untangled from them. So let us be mindful to watch our steps. Be mindful to pay attention that our hearts will be focused upon these main things. When we think about these main things, when we think about godliness as our main thing that our hearts are to be purposed towards, we know what Scripture says about godliness. It says what? It says that godliness with contentment is much gain. I hear a lot of people go through life and proclaim contentment. They say, I have just found contentment. The problem that I often find, though, is that they find themselves to be proclaimers of of being content, but when you look at their lives, there's no godliness there. And you say, I I question the things that you're telling me because maybe you're content because you've accumulated enough stuff to make you happy. But you're missing the main thing. You're missing the godliness that should accompany contentment. Because godliness is that which when we aspire to it, when we pursue after it, that we would take on the heart and mind and attitude of Jesus, that suddenly what we find is that we are made to be content with a whole lot less than we would be otherwise. What did Paul say about it? He said, I've, I'll just paraphrase. He says, I have abounded with stuff. And I've been abased for I've had very, very little. He said, but I have found that I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. That Christ would be then become our contentment. This week, as my wife and I were down with her family in Florida, I'll tell you this much, Ellie's going to be two tomorrow. And two-year-olds don't stand the rest part of vacation very well. They just don't get it. That's far from them. And so, it may not have been as much of a relaxing trip as perhaps we would have desired. Well I'll tell you this, is that our 8-year-old is a little easier than our 2-year-old. Our 5-year-old falls somewhere in between them. The nature and course of being a mother is that as you raise your children, the nature of, of how they pull you away changes. The nature of how they can distract you changes. Right now, Eleanor distracts Tiffany because she has to be chased around a whole lot. But as kids get older, and I've seen this in some of you that have teenagers, the nature of how children can impact you changes. You may not have to chase them around as a young mother chases around a little toddler, but you're still chasing their hearts. You're chasing them in prayer. You're chasing them in how you try to live a life of example before them and try to encourage them. I want you to know that those things will always be a part of the heart of a mother and even the part of a father. Although I think a mother is instilled a bit of intuition that maybe a father isn't. But the point I want to leave you with is this. Is that even as you get older, those things can still distract you. Just distracting you in a different way as a 2-year-old. A 2-year-old versus a 12-year-old versus a 22-year-old. Parenting them will still distract you if you don't put the main thing as the main thing. The lesson from Mary and Martha is that our duties and responsibilities as parents, our duties and responsibilities just as members of society, our duties and responsibilities as employees at work, our duties and responsibilities as, as students at school, they are always in front of us. And as Christians, we should do all things holy as unto the Lord. So it is good that we would do well in, in, in our work, do well in our labors. Whether, whatever those labors may be, we should do well in them. But we should never lose sight of the main thing if Christ abides in your heart, if Christ abides in your home, if Christ abides in your family, never for a moment let Him become anything but the main thing. And if He has, put everything else on hold and come back to Him and make Him the main thing once again. We find later on, Martha on six days before the Passover, whether you want to say that was Palm Sunday or some other day as we discussed a couple of Wednesday nights back ago, that the sixth day before Passover, we find that Jesus was once again in Bethany and that Martha was serving them a meal and that Mary was pouring ointment on the feet of Jesus and wiping His feet with her hair. And the Lord was blessed by both of them. He didn't rebuke Martha for her service. He didn't rebuke Mary for using expensive ointment to anoint His feet. But instead, both were serving the Lord as faithful disciples of Jesus. Attending their responsibilities according to that which was in front of them and upon their hearts. So I want to encourage you today from the account of Mary and Martha, mothers, I want you to know that your work is not unseen. It's not invisible. I know it's hard work. Keep on. Show the example of godliness to your children and may they always see in your lives and the lives of all of us that the main thing is in fact the main thing. I thank you for listening to me. I apologize if my thoughts were scattered somewhat today. But I pray that God would bless his message this morning. God would bless all of you. Something on your hearts today.